Sunday morning, it's about 7.30 a.m., uh, August 18th, I feel like this month is flying by, I've, uh, see, I've been in Birmingham, I've been in Jacksonville, I've been in St. Louis, I actually leave this afternoon to go back to Jacksonville, um, I got St. Louis on the agenda again at the end of the month, and then finishing, like, what, New York and Boston, a lot of traveling going on, um, but topic today, excuse me, topic today is going to be on, um, we'll call it being coachable. And with being coachable, it's, it's not always agreeing. Um, a lot of times when you get coached, it comes when individual, whether it be the coach or the actual individual um, wanting to do different or maximize their performance. And, and many times we allow, and this is based on experience, many times we allow our feelings to, to dictate how quickly or how we're able to be coached. And one thing I would encourage people as you listen to this and you start to think about being the coach and also being coachable or the individual receiving the coaching, um, when I talk about your feelings and it impeding or slowing your progress, when you're angry or you're embarrassed or you're frustrated, you know, try to put that stuff to the side because Anytime someone's trying to coach you, they're trying to put you in a better space. Now, you may not always agree with it, but that's basically what I started with. Coaching isn't always agreeing. It's it's words, it's effort, it's it's uh, ideologies to get you to a different space. And again, even on the other side, on the other side of coaching, if you're receiving the coaching. Being coachable is not just listening, it's actions. You're changing the actions to net a different result based off the information or the direction that was given to you by a leader, a coach, a consultant, a mentor, whatever it may be. But keep that in mind as we talk through being coachable today. And it's funny, and this actually started because I was talking to someone and they were telling me how coachable they were. And it's funny because so many people, it's <laughs> so many people, it's literally amazing how many people say that they're coachable, but yet consistently do the opposite of what they were coached or the opposite of the direction they were given. And it's funny because when you think about being coachable and doing the opposite of what was asked of, asked of you, I see people, and this isn't, this is not just at work, this is outside of work as well. I see people seek consultation or seek good counsel, we should say. And if that counsel or that coaching or that direction doesn't match what they thought the person was going to say, or it doesn't put them or push them in the same direction they thought the individual was going to, they go talk to a friend or they go talk to someone else or a family member or a friend. And when they do that, it's almost like neglecting the coaching that you just got. And when you neglect the coaching, whether it's a friend, whether it's, like I said, your coach, your leader, your manager, whoever, when you're neglecting that coaching, it obvi- it, it paints a different picture for that individual, whether it's a leader or whoever you came to to seek that uh, consultation, or if they came to you. And the other thing that's very interesting is, especially in a work environment, if you're seeking coaching or you get coaching, and after you get that coaching, you go consult a peer, 
to more gossip or get their feedback, you're kind of going against the process and putting yourself in a very bad situation because not only are you now not coachable because you've already been given direction, but now you're also encouraging others to, I shouldn't say encouraging, you're engaged in gossip that may push you and your peer in a different direction than what the organization, the leader, the the friend, the whoever was giving you the consultation was initially asking. So from a professional environment, I would encourage you if you're going to consult your peers, consult your peers prior to having the conversation with your manager, your director, your VP, your leader, your, your whoever it may be. And from a external, I should say external, but outside of a corporate environment, I would say that if, you know, if you're going to seek counsel, um, you got to be able to use discernment. You know, you've got to be able to take, make, you've got to be able to make good judgment, but you need the right information to do that. Um, and if you're someone that consistently goes to the same people for advice, but you don't take the advice, you've got to be mindful and understand that those individuals may stop giving you advice. And back to the corporate piece, that's something that a lot of us, all of us probably need to think about. If you're getting direction, you need to ask the questions up front and get context and understanding as far as why these things are happening versus taking it away, saying nothing and then doing, not doing what was asked of you and not speaking up, saying that you're not going to do what's asked of you. Because being uncoachable or... <laughs> Being uncoachable or being delayed in your ability to be coached, only thing that does is create more work for everyone involved. It, it's the leader, it's the, the associate, it's the consultant, it's the, the client, it's the coach, it's the athlete. If you're uncoachable, it's just creating more work and it's taking more time to, to meet or reach the desired result. And that's something that both the coach and the, the player, the coach and the associate have to think about is that the right fit for the organization is that the right fit for the team am i the right person to give you consultation um because those are things that are like i said it's going to slow down progress and whether you're talking about work or outside of work time is money and again i touched on this a little bit ago but if you have questions around the coaching you got to express it you got to communicate those because like i said being coachable being coachable, actually, it, it's a choice. Like you choose if you're going to take the coaching, if you're going to implement the actions or the direction that was given to you. And when you hesitate, it's fine, but you've got to be able to communicate, hey, I'm, you know, I don't understand this piece and this is what's slowing me up. If you're not willing to do that, sometimes you're going to get some the results of accountability <laughs> held against you because you're not taking action. The other piece, I think, when you look at coaching... Um, When you look at coaching, I think there's a few reasons why people choose not to take the coaching. One, they don't, they don't trust that the the direction given is going to work. That's one reason. The biggest reason or the the biggest, I'm going to call it an excuse. The reason and excuse kind of the same thing. The biggest excuse that I see is people assume or think their performance is perfect or it's fine. Like, oh no, I'm doing good. So they feel they feel they don't necessarily need to adjust what they're doing. Third, and I think this can kind of go back into the second one, just, just being stubborn. You know, you want to do it your way. And sometimes you have to understand that your way is not working in this situation. And that goes for all levels. That's, you know, if you're entry-level associate to the CEO and that stubborn piece, you got to understand that sometimes it's not going to work your way. 
or the direction that you need to go isn't the way that you're going. And you've got to be, be willing to not only listen to the coaching, but implement or apply the coaching. The fourth one, um, I would say, is ego. You know, you don't want to switch up because you've already been going in one direction and it may form as it may show as a, a it may show or create a sense of embarrassment because you've been pursuing something in the wrong direction or may not, may not have been going the wrong direction, but things have changed. And then the last one I would say fifth is you're just lazy. What you're doing is easy. What you're doing, it fits your, it fits your schedule. What you're doing, it doesn't um, force you to work any more than 40 hours. If you're working 40 hours, you know, you're, you're lazy. And I think that's the most common reason for pe- people being uncoachable is laziness. Um, I could be wrong, but we'll see. <laughs> um, but even from a coachability perspective, and I think about uh, Dave Mergen, for example, sometimes he would give me coaching when I was first getting into recruiting, and I didn't necessarily agree with it. Um, but one thing that he had told me, and this was, I don't know, I guess probably 10, 12, 13 years ago, uh, one of the things he had told me was, even if you don't agree with it, do it and do it multiple times. And if it doesn't work, come back and tell me why it didn't work. And that forces you to reflect not only on the actions that you're taking, but what do you need to do to improve it? And that was one of the best coaching nuggets that I've ever got, because now it was like if he gave me an idea or he gave me a direction. It was like, go implement it and then do it, do it, do it, do it. But you got to go back and reflect. Why did it not work? So then by the time you come back to him, or her, whoever your leader may be, you've already got the solution. And I think that was the goal in the coaching that he had given me. And that's something that, again, if you're lazy, you're not going to want to do that because you may meet some some tension and you stop. And I'm going to talk about that in a little bit too. But if you're willing to keep going, even though something's not working, so you can tweak it and understand why it's not working, then make the necessary changes and come back and say, hey, I tried it this way. It didn't work, but I I tweak this a little bit or I change this a little bit and I got the, the perfect result. And those are things that that's being coachable. You know, that's being coachable. That's being able to critically think. And excuse me, it's it's also you being a problem solver. And that's what we need. I think there's a gap in uh, there's a gap in our society right now of people's ability to critically think. And one of the things, one of the challenges with people being able to critically think is they're not seeking to get the critical information. Because if you don't have the critical information, there's, there's nothing really to think about. You don't have the right information or enough information to make the right decision or to create a sense of good discernment or be able to make good choices and judge, <laughs> judge things well. But we got to flip that around. And when we think about, no pun intended, think about it, um, being coachable, you got to look at the other side of the coin as well. And I know my team may be listening to this and go, well, what about you? You're not perfect. You're right. That's why I say you got to look at the other side of the coin, the coach. The coach, you have responsibilities too. Your responsibilities are even even more than the actual person being coached if you really want to get the results because your results are based on how well your team or your individuals perform. and Or if you're a consultant, the, how well are you able to coach the individual that you're working with to meet their desired result. And I think those, those go hand in hand, but as a coach, one, you, with your responsibilities, you've got to be able to give context. So when you're looking at change or improvement or, you know, whatever process changes, 
performance changes, you've got to be able to give context of not only why you're asking for the change, but what's the expectation. And I think sometimes as leaders, people get frustrated. I think we, we look at, and I'm, I got the air quotes when I said we, we look at it almost like a parenting relationship and it's not a parenting relationship at all. So it's not do it because I said so. And you can lead like that if you want. You, you really can. I, I see people do it. But that doesn't necessarily net you the result that you want. So something I've been trying to be more intentional about is the context. Why do you want them to change this? What are they going to get if they change this? But this also goes back to the individual being coached. And we are saying that you've got to be able to take the coaching, do it a few times, maybe 10, 15, 20 times to understand if it's working great. If it's not working, what do you need to do differently to make it work? So from a coach coaching perspective, your first responsibility is give context, the why and what you plan to get out of it and what the individual plans to get out of it, what they can get out of it. Two, accountability. And I say accountability and rewards. So as a coach, if you're giving coaching in our, our leadership uh, with the company I work for says this now, inspect what you expect. So if I'm asking you to do phone screens, we'll say, am I holding you accountable to that? So if you're not doing them, what are the consequences? And if you are doing them, one, sometimes we have to understand as individuals that you know we're not the top dog on the chain, but when we're looking at this, sometimes some of the things that we're being asked to do, you don't get a reward for doing it. It's a part of your job. But there are also other things that you do need to reward and recognize some of the, I'm not going to say efforts because it depends on the space. I'm not a fan of participation trophies, but I think when people, when you're, when you're driving change and trying to improve performance, you've got to reward some of the effort when you're looking at how they're changing their processes or how people are going about things. Because if you can reward the the uh, effort in the process and pushing against the grain and doing things that are hard, now they're more willing to continue doing that. And the other piece to this is from a coach, from a coach and a student or a teacher, student, consultant, mentee, consultant, <laughs> client, whatever, you gotta understand that the, the recognition of the reward will not always be monetary. It may be praise, it may be, hey, thanks for doing that. You know, it may be a gift card, who knows? It may be a cash bonus, it may be, it, it could be many different things. But you've gotta understand that that reward or recognition, it may not always be in the form of, of a financial gain. And you also have, like I said at first, you've gotta understand that this may just be a regular expectation of your job and you have to do it. Like there's no reward for it, but if you don't do it, there is accountability for it. <laughs> there, there's consequences for it. Um, the third responsibility of a coach, you've got a coach and that's number one. And when I say coach, you can't only coach when things are going bad. And this is going to lead, it leads me to, um, as I was writing my talking points for this, and obviously I'm way off of it. I don't know where I'm at in my talking points. But when I was writing my talking points for this, I was thinking about my guy, Pat. Uh, you guys have heard me talk about Pat before. He uh, runs an insurance agency in Ohio, Kentucky. He get, he's getting it. Like, good dude. But I remember with life insurance, he used to say, like, there's three times that people think about life insurance. And it's death, when they have a health scare, and when you're in front of them. I relate coaching 
to something similar to that. Now, obviously, it's not as <laughs> as uh, serious, we'll say. Um, but when I think about coaching, I think there are times when people are more coachable. And I think from a coach perspective, when you're trying to drive change, you want to coach or you want to create improvements. You want to coach. Um, and when something bad happens, you want to make sure you're coaching. And the third is, and this is something that is awesome, especially when you have leaders that do this. When you have leaders that are consistently improving their own skill set or consistently learning personal development, they're always going to want to coach. They're always going to want you to improve. And I think for those people that we talked about earlier, you can call it lazy, you can call it whatever you want, but those people that aren't in that space, they look at the individual who's consistently working on personal development, trying to get better as, oh my goodness, they expect the world, or they don't like that relationship. And we're going to talk about environment and how it plays a part in uh, your ability to be coached and your ability to coach in a little bit. But on the other side of it, you got to look at the individual that's being coached, whether they're seeking coaching or it's something that you're giving because you see the, the need for change. Um, I think there's three times with the individual being coached that they're going to be most receptive and the coaching is going to sink in and they're going to be able to apply it, implement it, I should say. One, they want to improve. And that's the best. Like when someone reaches out to you and it's, it's easier from like a and I'm not saying easiest is always best, but it's easiest when, like from a consulting perspective or a mentoring perspective, when people reach out to you and say, hey, for example, Zoe, I need a mentor. Okay, great. What are you trying to work on? Uh, X, Y, Z. Okay, boom. Let's go. Conversation before we even get started. You understand that there are going to be things because you haven't been able to net the result that you want. There are going to be things that I'm going to ask you to do and that you're going to have to do in order for you to net these results, and it's not gonna be comfortable. It's not gonna be something that you're accustomed to. You're gonna to have to plan out time, and if you can't do it, we're not gonna be able to make the changes necessary. Awesome. Um, and that's, that's why I say it's easier when someone comes to you because they're seeking that, that advice. Now, that doesn't always mean that they're going to follow through, and a lot of times that's why mentorships, um, consultations, any of that kind of stuff, it ends. Because no one wants to waste their time. Uh, the second one, from uh, the individual getting coached, they get embarrassed or something bad happens. Then they're like, oh my goodness, I, I don't know what I did wrong. And it's more of a cry for help. And that's, that's another space where it's like, cool, let me help you. Um, and the thing is, how do you get those people to not only take the coaching, implement it, but now how, do they st- how does that stick to them? Like that's a part of who they are. That's a part of their process. That's a part of how they do their job now. And then the third, it's, it's like the, the coach. They just, they're a learner. They have a passion for getting better. They're, they're working on personal development, so they, they crave the, the coaching. They crave the, hey, teach me something new. So I think, like I said, from a coach, coach and a coach, coach and the individual being coached, um, there are certain times when people are more receptive to it. And when we're looking at like how coachable you are, one of the things that's interesting to listen to is everyone says they want to be great. Like I never heard anyone say, man, I hope I suck at this or I, I really want to be the most average person I can be. No one says that, but yet they're comfortable with being average. And it's, give you an example, we'll take my space. Well, a piece of my space. Some of the recruiting we do is volume recruiting. And I'm, in, I'm into the analytics, I'm into the numbers, I'm doing the math. So hypothetically, someone says, I want to be great. I'm like, cool, or I want to be really good. I want to get a perfect performance evaluation, whatever. 
and we're taking a piece of their job. So from a volume hiring perspective, and we're saying, looking at numbers over three or four months, we're saying, okay, you got to do 30 phone interviews to net 20 hiring leader interview or to net 20 personal interviews to net 15 hiring leader interviews to net 10 hires. Just straight numbers looking at data over three or four months. And I say, hey, if you want to be great, you've got to get your numbers up to 15 offers a week. So looking at 15 offers a week, yeah, okay, I'm increasing. I'm asking you basically like a 50% increase on your your in production. So if we're looking at that, the initial person, oh my goodness, it's too hard. Those individuals that are going to, that not only want to be great, not only say they want to be great, but they really want to be great, they're going to sit down and do the math or at least ask for help with the math to say, okay, so if I was netting 10 offers with 30 phone screens, what's the funnel or what's the plan for me to get there? How do I do this? Or they sit down and just do the math and say, okay, I need to do 15 interviews or 15 offers. That's 50% more basically than what I was doing. So let me times all these numbers by 0.5. Oh, now I need to do 45 at phone screens, 30 interviews, 23, was that 22 and a half to be exact, uh, hiring leader interviews to net 15 offers for the week. And there's, you know, there's ups and downs. Every We're dealing with people. It's not, not a machine, but that's the difference. Like that, that small space right there, that's the difference. Those individuals that look at the change or look at what the definition of great is in their space and say, all right, yep, I'm going after that. I'm going to get that. And I'm going to do the math. I'm going to do the planning. I'm going to prepare for it. Versus those that say, here we go. It's a mindset thing. Like I literally feel like the mindset and the work ethic is the biggest difference or differentiator from average to great and average to, to, to bad. It's, it's a mindset and it's, it's a work ethic. And if you don't have the right ones, <laughs> you may be in trouble. Um, but that's also something from a coach, from a coaching perspective that you've got to be able to break down and be in the details about to understand that when people say they want to be, everyone says it, everyone says they want to be great, but you've got to be able to discern one I shouldn't say discern. You got to be able to differentiate. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You got to be able to differentiate. Um, when people say they want to be great, do they literally want to be great, or do they want the things that come with being great? What do I mean? Most of the time, when you're really good at something, you get paid a little bit more. You get a little bit more respect. You get a lot more attention because people are coming to you to seek good counsel. You know, you you may get to do different things that put you in different spaces to network with different people. You may take more flights to go to different cities to network with people that are the best in your space. You know, those are things you got to think about. Do they want that or do they really want to be good at what they do? Because most of the time when you're doing all that extra stuff, it's taken away from your time to perform in your job. So that actually creates more work. And you'll see those individuals that do that and then don't get back to their work. They're typically they tend to fall off. So you've got to be able to differentiate between your teams and your individuals on your teams or the individuals you're consulting with or coaching or whatever it may be and understand, do they want what comes with success in being great or do they really want to be great? And that's, that's just a part of the, part of the game that you've got to be able as a leader, you've got to be able to understand the difference, but to bring this, um, to bring this full circle. I think 
when you're looking at being coachable and being the coach, your environment matters. And one thing I will say, there's no environment. And let me back up. When I say your environment matters, that should excite and intrigue you. Because if you're not successful in an environment, why? If you are super successful in certain environments, why? And if you haven't reflected and you don't know who you are, that's going to be a challenge for you. But like I was saying, environment matters because like a, no, no environment is perfect for everyone. And I think that when I say no environment is perfect for anyone, I know it's randomly off the, it's off the wall, but when you look at cacti or cactus, the cactus that grow in the jungle, they can't grow in the desert. And those cactuses that are growing in the desert, they can't grow in the jungle. They're just different. It doesn't, they're not suited for that environment. And it's, I'll say, and I'll, <laughs> I'll say this because most, I've heard this comment recently when we were talking about turnover. Uh, if you plant a flower and it doesn't grow, you don't change the flower, you change the environment. And I'm sure people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I partially believe that. But I also believe that not every person likes every flower. And not every flower should fit in every environment. There's a reason why we're all different. There's a reason why we're all unique. We all have different skills and abilities and capabilities. So I'm encouraging you guys all, when you think about being coachable and you're in a specific environment, be coachable because that environment it may be your vehicle to your next environment. So while you're in that current environment, learn as much as you possibly can and take it to where you're trying to go or to your next step. And the thing is, if you're not self-reflecting and you're not knowledgeable of self, you can't do that because now you're kind of just in this mode. You're, you're working off of a feeling. And don't get me wrong, we all work off feeling at times or we all have feelings while we're working, I should say. We don't all work off feelings. But... The example is, if you are trying to be the CEO, or you're trying to run your own business, and you understand that you are going to work every day to learn different skills and learn how different people react to different situations, you look at life and work completely different. So if you're frustrated, it's like, oh, okay, this is something I got to get better at. And again, it goes back to that mindset and work ethic. If you don't have the right mindset and you don't have the right work ethic, you can't be successful regardless of what you're doing. So the third piece to being coachable and being a coach is find something that you're passionate about. Because when you find things you're passionate about, the setbacks, the the heartbreak, the frustration, the anger, the embarrassment, it, it serves as fuel to your fire. And another piece that I had talked about or another thing that I subject I had talked about or said in a previous podcast Use your emotions and your feelings to fuel your energy, but use your principle to guide your direction. And that's something I'm going to continue to say that for as long as I'm doing these podcasts, as long as I, even with this consulting thing, I'm getting ready to kick off. That's, that's, that's the gossip. Like if you can use your, your emotions and feelings for energy to fire you up and give you excitement, not even excitement, but just gives you more energy and then you can take your principle, but you've got to, you, you have to have identified your principle in order to understand what that is. And when I say principle, understanding where you're trying to go and what things drive that. And what I, what I mean by that is hypothetically, if you're, you're a life coach, throwing it out there, 
you have to be working on personal development. Like those are things that you have to do to continue to improve your own skill set to help someone else out. So if you're not doing personal development, you're now ruining and you're not living off the principles that you've already decided or principles that you've set forth. So you've got to be able to identify who you are, what you want to do, and then use what I just said to, to fuel you. And as I, as I wrap this up, um, I want to touch back on the, the flowers piece. Um, like I said, not all flowers can grow in all environments, but we talk about, you know, if the flower's not growing, you got to change the environment. What's the environment that you want to create? What kind of flowers are going to look the prettiest and net you the most result in your environment? Be coachable. Think about it. I appreciate you guys' time. As always, hope you guys have a great day. Hope this gets your, your, your Sunday fun day kicked off right and it serves as motivation as you jump into Monday. For those of you guys don't, that don't know, I'm getting ready to start my own little consulting business. Filed my LLC recently. Look forward to the challenges. Have a great week.